Hello and welcome to Fringe Deagle, your source for snackable information on innovation, transformation, and knowledge management within the legal profession. On the show, I've spoken with many established experts and companies, but many of the companies that will be seen as thriving businesses in the future are projects which are just starting now or have started recently. My guest today is Len Hickey, an IP lawyer who launched Litigase at the beginning of 2021. And together we explore what it takes to start a business, to grow the business and to make it something that hopefully sustains through time. Before we get started, what exactly is Litigaze? Litigaze at its, at its core is a, a SaaS tool that enables lawyers and clients to better understand complex decision problems. And it does that in a couple of ways. It provides ways to visualize those problems in a way that makes them more comprehensible and, and easier to digest. And secondly, it, it enables data to be used in that context. You can get insights from what otherwise might be a really complex situation to make decisions. So all of this is built upon quite a rich field called decision science that's quite old and it's been around for quite a long time that focuses on these ideas of how do you actually scientifically analyze a problem like making a decision between A and B. Before we go too far down the rabbit hole, let's rewind a bit. One of the questions that I ponder is where ideas come from and whether some people are just born as natural entrepreneurs. How do you fight imposter syndrome, which I'm sure we've all experienced? I I don't know if entrepreneurial was something I always was, but certainly very creative and inquisitive-minded, big on Meccano and all that sort of stuff as a kid. But I think, yeah, the entrepreneurial stuff is interesting because, you know, you just have to become an entrepreneur if you want to launch a startup. There's no way around it. Even if you've got a great idea, a great product, there's a lot of marketing and other stuff that comes into it. So... I don't think I'm naturally great at that piece, but at the end of the day, I'm a believer in the sort of problem we're trying to solve and the, and the way to go about it. So I really am passionate about the sort of the subject matter. And so that you know is what motivates me and what drives me to, to do this. Like many, the idea comes from identifying a problem. It all starts with solving a problem. It could be something you see others struggle with, or in the case of Len, it's something you've experienced yourself. So the story behind Litigaze is I was, as a litigation lawyer, part of my IP practice is, is litigation disputes resolution. And so I've you know, advised lots of clients along the way. And the thing that always happens in any litigation, and certainly in Australia because it's mandated, but I think pretty much universally around the world, is there'll be a point where the client asks, should I run this case or should I settle it? And that might come because there's a, you know, a mediation or some formal approach to settlement, or it's just the client wondering what it's worth, the trouble and cost of litigation. So having lived through this experience, every case I've run and every situation I've been involved in, there was this feeling I had that I'm struggling to answer this question for clients a lot of the time in a way that I'm satisfied with, in the sense it's either something that I'm not feeling is rigorously analyzed or something I haven't rigorously analyzed enough to be able to tell the client, this is what I really think um, you should do, either settle or, or, or pursue a litigation or what amount would be an appropriate settlement. And so that, that was just my lived experience for a long time. And it's a reality for a lot of lawyers and it's, it's never going to go away. So that's cool. But I wasn't satisfied with that being the answer. I don't know how even I got into it, but I just started to do a bit of research and, and I came into this field, decision science. And pretty much instantly, I realized these techniques and this sort of area of scientific analysis was exactly applicable to the stuff I was dealing with clients. So all about how do you actually you know, evaluate a risky 
decision in the science, they call them lotteries. So it's the idea of how do you value a lottery? And, and I thought this is really cool. It seems to be right on point with these problems I'm facing and my, ultimately my clients uh, are facing. Initially, it was just about learning up on, on that area and seeing how much I could actually take from, as I say, a pretty rich field of research into my actual day-to-day practice. Because ultimately, I wasn't interested in learning the subject for... Right you know, academic reasons. It was about, can I get something out of this? Are there any gems in here that I can actually use to help me have these difficult discussions with clients and give them the sort of advice I think is up to the caliber I expect. That's how I got there. And yeah, that's where I found myself falling down the rabbit hole and haven't looked back since. So we have that established, next comes putting it into practice and deciding if you can find something that you can buy to solve your problem, or do you actually want to go ahead and build something? For a long time, I was just doing this stuff a bit, you know, more casually in my practice day to day, doing a lot of stuff in, in Excel and building out what are called decision models and decision analysis models. And so using the techniques in my practice, but that was all pretty hard going because I'd have to use Excel, which is a great, you know, versatile tool, but it had to be a lot of work to get it up to the stuff yeah. I wanted to do. And at the same time, when I was doing this stuff with clients, I was getting good feedback. So there was a bunch of times where clients were quite impressed by the way I presented. The other part to it is apart from that sort of hardcore science, if you like, is that I found it fundamentally, it is a visual thing. So it's the approach with decision analysis is to essentially map out visual diagrams to capture all the risks and uncertainty in a, a decision problem and coherently do that and structure it. So you can see how things affect different things in branching structures of possibilities. Yeah. So coupled with that visual piece, that really is something I literally could present to boards of companies. Um, which I did in one case, a, a diagram showing what I thought we should do in this complicated preliminary discovery problem situation. I got that good feedback from clients and I said, it's hard going with these Excel models and doing it all manually. Is there software that can do it for me? And I had a look and there's a bunch of quite, I, I'd, I'd say old tools, so stuff out there. Ultimately, long story short, I said, there's nothing out there that I, I would want to use. So I, should, I want to build something myself. And seeing all the success companies have, and obviously our great Australian success story of Atlassian, Yep. I was like, they're building cool stuff. Why can't I do that? So it was a bit of a sort of throw caution to the wind and just go for it vibe for me. But really underlying that is just this feeling I had, strong feeling and feeling I still have that constantly every client um, that I have is the tin of litigation will have this problem at some point. Okay. Len, what do I do? There's an offer being made perhaps, or I want to make an offer. How do I go about that? And, and, and and I guess litigate is really focused on putting a lot of rigor into that question and the analysis that can lead to answering that question in a way that clients can really use and, you know, act on rather than how it might be done otherwise, where you a bit of guesswork or a bit more of not as straightforward advice on some of this stuff. And by the way, if you're curious about how a firm approaches the buy, build or invest challenge, then check out the episode with Ilani Bukan of MDR Lab. While you're doing that, be sure to subscribe to the Fringe Legal newsletter at fringelegal.com newsletter, where I provide snackable information on innovation, transformation, and KM on a weekly basis, all for free. So back to the litigate story, building your product offering isn't enough. You need to make sure that someone wants it. Perhaps you have the market data for the need, or maybe a hunch, or as Len puts it, it's an informed hunch. Yeah, I, I call it an informed hunch. And this probably goes back again to my Kraft Heinz experience. So what I saw in-house, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of large corporates and even smaller size companies, but certainly at Kraft Heinz, it was true that a decision is being made all the time in every department, often hard things, complex um, problems to solve. Pretty much in every case I could see, in every case I got involved in, whether it was with the supply chain, logistics, whatever, marketing, there was pretty much always, as someone had done some modeling, 
around the problem. And what that means a lot of the time is crunching the numbers in Excel and for finance, that's just everything is that. But what was really remarkable was that like the guys who were managing the sort of trucks going in and out of the factory had that level of sophistication. So I'd come in on a problem where they were talking about maybe negotiating a contract or something. And they'd be just working from these, what I thought were pretty sophisticated models. And that wasn't making decisions for them. What that was giving this sort of baseline level of analysis that they could take and then make decisions where they felt confident that they'd done the work necessary to figure out all the options and risks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I saw that just everywhere. It was just pervaded the whole business, this idea of modeling things out as a means to manage this the thing that we'll never solve, which is how to predict the future. Mm-hmm. This is what it's all about. How do you predict? And and so decision science isn't about predicting the right yeah, outcome. Okay. Or yeah. predicting something. It's about making a decision in the now and doing it all where you robustly have taken into account all that stuff that you don't, you know, can't right. decide in the future. As we keep talking, it might be helpful to provide a distinction between decision science and data science. I'm sure the latter may be familiar to many of you, but if you're like me, you may not have heard of decision science in any great detail, and they certainly are not synonymous. How I look at it is they're very much a complementary field. We explain it that data science is hugely valuable to learn from the past and learn from large sets of maybe judgments or different you know, motions, like all the years and, and things like that, to get to a point where you're like, we know this has happened statistically, you know, this many times, and this is a percentage outcome this way or that way. And so decision science comes in, I guess, as we see it as the next step, right? So you've got all this useful information, you've got some probabilistic statistical, you know, analysis of cases one lost on this issue in a particular jurisdiction. And we want to say, cool, that's really valuable having that that data. That's really valuable. How do you directly apply that to the problem of should we run this case? We ultimately want to see lawyers using our tool, you know, all the time because the decision sides is something a lawyer can do in terms of these building these models and analyses. But it really is a complementary thing that we see the data science being able to navigate large data sets and all that complexity right. and statistical issues and, and being able to get really strong insights out of that and decision science being something you can plug into the other side saying cool we've got those insights yeah what do we do in this specific problem with that background how does one actually apply all of the decision science concepts to real life scenarios how do you take from the theory into the practical yeah it, it, what the tools enable you to do is use your own data, your experience to to explicitly record your judgment on things. So literally the tool will build out, as you've outlined, models with different probabilistic outcome. But a good way to explain that is through an example, right? So I'm running sure. a, a patent litigation. And one of the things you'll do is you might spend a lot of time looking for what's called prior art, which is basically, is there another patent out there that's going to make ours invalid? And that's a big exercise and there's a lot of work there that's done. But ultimately you want to get to a point from that exercise, that extensive work to say, what do we think? Do we think our patent's going to hold up when we get in front of the judge? And that's the point where you, and I'm a big believer in this idea of using, expressing your beliefs in probabilistic terms. What lawyers do now is they might take all this sort of information, whether it's a patent litigation or whatever, and tell the client, I think you've got good prospects, reasonable prospects. And we want to really break that down to the point where there's 20 different issues in this case. We think on that, you've got a prospect of X percent probability, and that's explicitly communicating to the client or the stakeholder what we think the chances are based on our work. And, and but more than that, it, it, you, you can map all of these um, things together, all of these sort of independent issues, perhaps in a way that the decision science allows you to then pull insights out of that and ultimately arrive at an evaluation of the overall picture of things. So the, the total value maybe of a yep. case and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I guess what you're looking, what you're 
doing there is you're able to both bucket everything into just some large containers. So you can say X, Y, and Z are, are three big categories that we're thinking about. But within mm -hmm. each of them, you can then dig into details within X to say X has these four buckets of work and then we can assign probabilities. And ultimately what you're trying to gauge is what is the risk factor in going down a, either a certain path or the entire thing altogether. So that, that's the idea. Yeah. So I can, yep. because it's not telling you you should do X or Y, it's just saying no. the risk of doing X or Y is this. And knowing that you're able to make, and I assume you're allowed, you're not allowed, you're able to assign value dollar amounts against each. So you can say, if I go down path A, this is what my risk is in terms of probability, yep. probabilistic terms, but also what the monetary risk is. So if I start with, I don't know, $100,000 Aussie or US and I win, then I can get X because that, that's what you're trying to weigh up in litigation yep. uh, of any sort. That is it yep. worth me spending any amount of money to go pursue this path? Indeed. And, and so that's why settlements, this conundrum, right? Because right. it, it's going to be between what your best chances are if you go all yep. the way and what your worst chances are. And yes, often there's just a finger in the air. What, what do we think? Where do we think we yeah. sit in that spectrum? The idea of the model is not to make the decision for you. It's about to provide you that baseline level of you know rigorous analysis. So you can say, all right, I'm confident. We've looked at these things. We know there's a risk there. We know that if we decide on this path that it might not go well, but mm -hmm. I can see that and I can make a call. And a lawyer's job, I guess, is to ultimately instill that level of confidence in their client, the decision maker at their client, because I'm not making the call on the litigation. I'm obviously executing my client's yeah. instructions and doing the best I can to win the case. But ultimately, it's the client's decision, what they think about it, and certainly settlement decisions, that's the case. So I want to put my client in the, the driver's seat in the best position possible to feel like, okay, we've just been made, offered this amount of money. Mm -hmm. We know that our view of the case is it's that's not enough, or, and that's based on this rigorous analysis. What's fascinating is in the past, I've written about second and third order benefits. And using visualization tools captures many of those benefits. For one, it helps to eliminate a lot of the bias. When you're forced to write down your assumptions, you become very aware of blind spots you might have. But also it helps to get your clients, the in-house teams, a voice in the boardroom. Instead, or perhaps in addition to presenting a 10-page memo, you're able to present a visual representation of the assumptions, risks, and options, which as Len shared with me, are much more impactful and present a new perspective. So in wrapping up, what's next for Litigase? I've been working on this project for a few years and I said, I've been doing this stuff in my practice for that period. And it's taken me that long to feel like I'm quite skilled up in the the subject matter because if you don't have tools available it takes a bit of work but in terms of litigators we've only just launched in january this year we've got another sort of product that's more focused outside the legal industry which is a similar thing but it's we launched that in at the start of covid last year in march and that was an exercise more around getting our tool out there and doing some iteration on it so we've been you know spending the last almost 12 months now building up our launch product into something that's got a lot more features and features that have been based on you know feedback from some lawyers have been very helpful in terms of using the product firstly but also giving us great feedback on what they how it would make it their lives easier on the back of that we decided at the start of this year to move from a more general purpose decision tool to really focusing on this issue that again is based on my own experience of mm -hmm. problems in you know settling cases in litigation and other sort of hard decisions so that's officially litigators 
pretty new, but it's definitely based on a, a long period of R&D, I'd say, and certainly a long period of product development behind the scenes. But now we're really focused on getting it out there and just getting more lawyers interested um, in this topic and seeing what it can do for the client experience. If you want to find out more about Litigaze, then you can explore more at litigaze.com. That's spelled L-I-T-I-G-A-Z-E-Z-E for my UK friends. And you can connect with Len Hickey on LinkedIn. By the way, Len still practices and enjoys it quite a lot. He balances that with the work on the startup. If you're thinking about starting a company, his advice, connect with the community. I'd returned to private practice to a large firm. And since then, I've changed to a medium-sized firm. So I'm at a really great firm now, and I'm really enjoying that. And you're right, I think there's not a heap of lawyers, at least that I know, who have founded tech companies dabbled in startups. It's interesting, but Australia's really got a good community, I would say, of legal tech startups. There's a there's an organization here called Alta, which I'm a member of. There's definitely a lot of uh, a good community vibe. And, and these days I'm interacting internationally with other sort of tech founders too on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening to the show. This is a new format for us. If you've enjoyed this narrative style, please do let me know by dropping me an email at ab at fringelegal.com. This episode was created for Fringe Legal and produced by yours truly, Abhijat Saraswat. Thank you to Len Hickey for his time and to Mike McKell for the introduction to Len. Until next time, thank you for listening.